Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. takes the message of hope, and we primarily work in Hollywood, California, been working in L.A. for about 30 years now, close to 30 years, working with runaway kids. Many years ago, we just had this idea, or just in our spirit, dropped from God, that we would just not just minister to kids, but we would feed the kids, and that's where we actually uh, developed this card ministry, and a lot of you saw cards when you came in, a lot of you have participated over the years. It's a powerful tool to reach when you find someone broken and they're wandering the streets and, you know, 14, 15, 17 years of age and to put a note of love in their hand. It's just something that's very moving. They read the card. They want to know who it's from. I said, well, I have some dear friends who love Jesus. And while they're sitting at their table, they want to extend their table to you. And obviously, this time of year, we're calling this Christmas in July. You guys normally do this in I think October or November, uh, we're going to do this because uh, we do this year-round. How many of you know we have to eat more than just Christmas? <laughs> I get hungry in January, right? Uh, so anyway, so this morning when you go out, you'll have an opportunity to pick these cards up. Only get what you will do, and obviously you'll write a sweet note. Hi, my name is Joe. I know you're maybe facing some tough times. This is a gift from my heart to encourage you in the faith and in the love of Jesus Christ. This is just something that I've written down, and this is how I would have written cards in the past. Uh, His word promises he would never leave us nor forsake us. Hang on. Don't give up. Look to him. Oh, by the way, enjoy this $5 meal card to McDonald's on us. What this is, it's not just the McDonald's meal. it's It's the message that you write in the card. And I can tell story after story of, of literally when people have read these cards. Uh, matter of fact, one story just comes to mind right off of my, my head is Miguel. This guy was a couple years ago, his wife had left him and he was left him with his little girl and he was just mad and bitter at God. And I didn't have a lot of time to talk to him, but we did, I left him two cards. It was at Easter. And he's, three weeks later, I was back in the same area and I saw him again. I said, Miguel... He said, man, thank you so much for that card. He said, man, I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. I went, wow, what was in the card? He said, I, what I was going through was spoke directly to my heart. And he says, I want you to be sure to tell that lady. And, and just so happened, I knew who the lady that wrote the card because he told me who it was. And he said, I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. This is the power of the message. And it's not just the message in the meal. I, I, I encourage you when you take these cards to pray over them. Take them for your grandkids and your kids. And you know what? Make it a moment where you teach your kids and grandkids about missions and, and, and loving people unconditionally and pray over them. And just believe they get into the right hands. And then obviously you pick those up. You have them back to the the church August the 26th. That gives you about a five-week window. They will actually get the cards back to me early September, and then guess what? I become a spiritual postman. I take your notes of love. And How many of you know when you put your, your mail in the post office box, you trust the post office to get it to where it's going because you want your lights to stay on, right? Well, we're taking your notes of love, and we're putting them in the hands of people who need to know about the love of Jesus Christ. Last year, Christmas Day, I was actually passing out some cards in Phoenix, and I came up on this young gal, and 
which talked a few, few minutes, and she wouldn't open her car. And I said, well, aren't you going to open your car? And she says, well, I don't want to. She says, I, I want to hang on to the anticipation of the gifts. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you remember when we were kids? Or when we were, and the gifts would just continue to accumulate as weeks led up to the Christmas day. She said, in all the excitement, she said, I just want to hang on to this card for a little bit. Because the excitement of what is in this card. Because, you know, Christmas Day, when you open the gifts, it's all over. But she wanted to hang on to that moment. See, folks, we don't know what people have gone through. And it's our responsibility as we call ourselves Christians that we reach back and make sure we champion those who come to faith. It's not enough for us just to have our own faith. It's not just us four and no more. Because I tell you, I've been doing this almost for 30 years, and I see people respond to the gospel. Folks, that, I don't, listen, I want to say that again. People respond to the gospel. They respond to your giving. They respond to your love. They respond to the things you do. And when you do things in a Christ-like spirit, it's long before your words. They hear you. They, they feel what you're doing. And they respond to that. Why do I do what I do? Because I know what it's like to be hungry. Some of us probably have. Many of us. But you know what? It ought not to be so. There's a lot of people who don't know about the promises of God. They don't know about the scripture that says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. How many of you know that's a good promise? There's another scripture they don't know about. It says, I will go away and prepare a place for you that you might be with me there also. What are we this morning? What are we every day? We are messengers of the hope and the truth of Jesus Christ. And again, I said it in this morning's service. Listen, it's not enough to, for life to come to you. It has to come through you. Because if it comes just to you, it stagnates. It stops. And it's no good. And you just, be, you just begin to, you know, when something stagnates, it just begins to stink, right? I don't want that to happen. I want this thing to come through me. I want to be a channel for other people to come to know the truth and knowledge of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus now listen, we can believe it's for us, can we not? <laughs> we can believe it's for our family, can we not? We believe it's for our friends, those we somewhat care about, maybe a, a neighbor. But can you believe it's for every person on the face of the earth? Those who don't think like you, those who don't act like you, and those who don't vote like you. The gospel is for everybody. And you know what? It's our responsibility as believers to demonstrate this love of God. And we have that mantle when Jesus, well, listen, when we gave our heart to Jesus Christ and we knelt down at the altar, we took on his DNA. You know, we're no longer uh, who we used to be. We're changed and, and, and slowly transformed. Listen, I don't know about you guys. I knew when I gave my heart to Jesus, I didn't totally understand what was going on, but I knew something had happened on the inside of me. And it took a season. It took a moment. It took some time for God to do a work in me. I had to peel away some old thinking. And that's what it is when a lot of people are giving their life to the Lord. But we're not seeing a lot of changes, so we tend to judge and categorize people. We don't want to do that. We want to champion people. We want to say, you can make it. You know what? When people fall down, how many of you, when you brought your kids from the hospital, you didn't say, hey, get in there and make your bed. You didn't say, walk, go clean up your room because they didn't know how. You took the time to nurture your children. You watched them grow. You watched them to develop. See, we are in the spiritual realm. We, do, we need to do the same thing. We need to allow our children, those who are young in faith, to grow in the things of God. 
and model the, the love of Jesus Christ like we has been uh, shown to us. I believe there's room at the table for everybody. I don't walk around saying, you know what? Now, when I first became a believer, I wanted to minister to people that looked like me. You want, y'all know what I mean? you just like, okay. And you just kind of identify with people in certain places. But when I found myself ministering to people who didn't look like me, it was a challenge. It was a struggle. I didn't understand if they didn't understand what I was saying. But little by little, as I kept loving on these people, kept showing up. Matter of fact, I went to a, uh, we were down in Mardi Gras. I used to go to Mardi Gras every year with a team. And we would go down there and minister. And this guy, we were standing at a part of town that was a bad part of town. I don't know if we got any young people here. And, and uh, this guy would come and curse me out every day. I mean, he cussed me something bad. Matter of fact, them guys would be on the top balcony up there. I'd be standing here, and they would throw coins at me. And them coins would hit, and I would throw them. No, I didn't, I didn't throw them back. But it would hurt. And I said, God, I don't want to stand on this corner. But I remember the Lord said, you go to this corner, and you stand. Man, I was mad at God. And that guy, he'd come. He cussed me out Friday night. He cussed me out. Saturday night, he cussed me out. Sunday night, I'm thinking, God, and we were driving back down. I was sitting in the back of that van. I said, Lord, I don't want to go back down there. Please send me through kids' ministry somewhere. And I went back to that corner. And guess who was standing there? I said, Lord, here it comes. He walked up to me. He said, I've intimidated every Christian that's ever stood on this corner. He said, you're the only one that's never left. He said, I want to know the Jesus that you know. Wow. I'm thinking... I wanted to beat him up. I mean, I'm like, dude, you know what you did for me three times? No, little by little standing, little by little going, little by little just doing that which you know God's put in your heart to do. There's a familiar story in Acts 8.26 where Philip, a follower of Jesus Christ, was God sent him on a, a different direction. He'd been having a great work and people were being saved, but God says, I want you to go to the desert. He goes to the desert, he comes across a guy reading the scriptures, and he asked the guy, he said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? How can I unless someone shows me? And of course, the Bible says he went on to show him and explain the scripture, but notice what happened. Here's the point I want to make. He took the initiative to speak to someone, and it's okay to speak to people. I know we're from a southern culture, and it's kind of easy for the culture we're in, but being out west, man, or just in some cultures, it's difficult. When they say, when you say, how you doing? They say, what do you want? You know what I'm saying? They don't get it, but he took the initiative. He didn't cuss him out. He didn't tell him to go away. He said, how can I? I'm sure there's people around us all the time who are searching, and we don't know who's searching. It's our responsibility to present the gospel. When you feel that nudge in your heart to do this or to do that, you have to follow that unction within you. And I said, that's the Holy Spirit leading you into a moment, into a situation. I can tell of hundreds of stories where the Holy Spirit drops something in my heart. And I said, well, that don't make sense to me. Well, he, didn't, he didn't say it was going to make sense to me. You just do it. And as you do, people respond to the gospel. I remember preparing for another outreach to Mardi Gras. And I remember we would pray in the Sunday school room and, and to just prepare our hearts. And I remember hearing in my heart, pray for Charles from Chicago. I said, return to sender. I don't know Charles from Chicago. You know, anybody ever return prayer? I, I just didn't get it because God was putting something in my heart. It was bigger than me. And I remember, like, what is that? So I just began to pray. I said, Lord, I don't know whatever that means. Friday night, Bourbon Street. It's packed out crowd. And when I had got pushed up against the wall. And we were so tight because you can't walk. It's like blocks were just backed up. 
And I, put, I told the guy, I said, man, I'm so sorry. My name is Joe. It's one Charles from Chicago. <laughs> Could you see my eyes like deer in headlights? <laughs> He's my divine appointment. So what's the chances? God taking this, me here praying, my willingness to go, my willingness to serve, my willingness to say, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I don't understand who's waiting for me. I just show up. I didn't understand when he told me to stand in that corner. I just showed up. When I felt in, in, uh, the, the desire to go to Hollywood, what did I do? I just showed up. My first experience with Hollywood was horrible. I found myself in the L.A. bus station. They tried to rob me, seriously. Now, listen, I did like most people that prepare for a mission trip. I went shopping before I went to this mission trip because I was going to show these folks Jesus Southern style. So I had my Levi shorts, my, my fuchsia shirt, my loafers. And, man, I found myself in a bad place. And, man, they were pushing me, trying to say, give me your money. And I had money in my pocket. I mean, I saw the gang swinging their chains. I said, oh, God, get me out of here. I didn't sign up for this. God, you tricked me into this. I was, can I just say I was mad at God? Anybody ever been mad at God? I was mad. I said, I'll never go on another mission trip. Check that box off. Done. Anyway, but I remember when I got to the... Uh, the church we were staying at, and I snuck downstairs. I went to the phone booth. Y'all know it was a long time ago. <laughs> I was looking my escape fare out of that place. I was going to slip off during the night. They were, I was going to be the first runaway. I was running away from what God had called me to do. And the lady came back on the phone. She said, Mr. Woodard, we can book you that flight this afternoon for $1,400. Your one-way departure. And I went, quiet. She said, are you still there? I said, that's more money than I have. And I knew I was stuck. I knew I couldn't go anywhere. God had me on lockdown. What am I saying to you? When God puts something in your spirit, you just as well to yield to it. Because you know what? It's something you're going to carry in your heart. I remember I went back to that Sunday school room. I took my Bible and I threw it up against the wall. And I was saying things I shouldn't say. And I was crying. I'm a grown man. I'm crying. And that scripture popped in my mind. Romans 5, 19. By one man's disobedience, we were all made sinners. That means when we get to heaven, we kick Adam in the shins. By one man's obedience, many shall be made righteous. One person... One person acting on what God's put in your heart to do can change. One person can change a community, can change a, a city. What are you going to do with what God's put in your heart? This can be church as usual. This can be, wow, he was a good speaker. He was a lousy speaker. It was good worship. He enjoyed the kids. Go home and forget everything you heard this morning and say, I'll, see, I'll be back next Sunday. Or you can walk out of this place and say, you know what? I'm going to do something that which has been entrusted to me. This is your one human experience. Not another one. How are you going to finish? You want to finish strong? Do you want to finish like some of the ones who have gone before us? I use the illustration in the first service. Anybody watch NASCAR? It's okay to raise your hand. Some of you are nodding. Some of you are like, I don't watch that. Yes, you do. And I love it when they start out, man. The race is fun, man. They're just, the cars are pretty. They got all the decals. And, blah, 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 and they take off around the track and they're going in circles and everybody's into it. They're saying, go, Junior, Bobby, whoever they're pulling for. But as the field spreads, 
Everybody loses interest. You know, usually that's after you've been saved for a little while. Church is not as fun as it used to be. The preacher's starting to say some of the same things he said in last year's sermon. Things get a little stale. And you just get distracted. I noticed the people at the race started getting up, going to get beer. And all of a sudden, there would be a crash and turn four, and everybody would stand up to their feet to see if their man was going down. And then there's a race back to pit road to see. But you know what? When they came back to pit road, the fenders were flapping, flat tires. They didn't look good. And you know what? There was somebody ready to take them in. There was somebody ready to put some duct tape on them. There were some folks there that was willing to jump over the wall and do what was necessary. You say, what's the point here? I'm telling you, there's some broken people who have spun out in the church of Jesus Christ. And we need to be ready to jump over any wall and to do whatever's necessary. And I mean, we might not look as good as when we take back off again. But we can love people and get them. And they may not win the race, but they can finish the race. We are the church of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to see people's names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to see people champion for the good of the kingdom. This guy was changed in the Bible. People are being, we don't know who's, we don't know who's in search mode. You don't know who's lost the confidence to keep living. We don't know. When you're in survival mode, it's hard. When you're going through it, listen, I can't imagine... Going through a trash can or sleeping under a bridge and thinking, man, I got dreams. I'm in survival mode. I saw a Marine this week. He was a big old guy. I knew he was in some type of military service, and he had, I think, his hat on. I think his name was David. I said, David, how do you do it? He said, well, when I was fighting for my country, it was easy to be out in the elements. He said, because I was living with purpose. He said, now that I've got home and I have nothing, he said, I've lost my will to live. He said, I have a different battle now. He said, I fight depression and isolation. And we had a bad rainstorm in Phoenix this week, a couple bad storms, and he said, I had to sleep out in the rain last night. I said, David, I can't imagine. He said, I don't know. He said, man, he said, sometimes you just want to do is die. And see what you come along. That's what we do as a ministry. But listen, maybe you've spun out into church. Listen, you know how much you are, you are where you're at because you come to church every week. You come to Wednesday night Bible study. You have people calling you. And you know that you're still struggling to some degree. How much more do they need someone to champion them for the cause and the good of Jesus Christ? How much more? You say, well, it's just a note. Some people say, well, it's just a note. Let me tell you what, this could be salvation for somebody. I'm telling you, if there's a praying mom somewhere, it could be salvation for that child. Several years ago, this kid, I met him on Hollywood Boulevard. See, there's a new brand of runaways. And I'll close you in just a moment. Used to, it was the throwaway kid that just had nothing in the, you know, the clothes and the attire. I mean, they were easily identified. And then they became another brand of kids. When the Hollywood, uh, not, the American Idol came on the scene and all these kids were getting cut from all these cities around the United States. And, then, you know, and these guys would give them bad reviews. Like, you shouldn't be singing. 
Well, guess who showed up in Hollywood? It was a new brand of runaways. It was the runaways who had nice cars, came from good homes, some book, and a $3,000 guitar saying, I'm going to show somebody that I can make it. Well, they did for about three months until the, the, kid, the, the money was gone. The car got stolen and impounded, and somebody took their guitar. And now we see kids sitting in designer clothes on Hollywood Boulevard. Come from good homes. Grew up in church. Knew right from wrong. But had a dream in their heart. But somehow they didn't make it. Then they find themselves doing things they never thought they would do. And you can kind of read between the lines for survival. One kid, I talked to him, he said, I don't want to do what I'm doing. He said, but I have to. Matter of fact, if he took the money out of his pocket, he said, please take this because if you don't, I'm going to buy drugs with it. Hadn't seen his mom in five months, I believe. About four or five months. I said, let's call your mom. He said, no, I can't call her. I can't call her. He said, I told her I'd never want to hear from her again. I said, trust me. She wants to hear from you. And I took that little flip phone out, and we called mom. I handed it to him. He said, I can't do it. You, you do it. I told him who I was, who I was. I said, I found your son. And she started crying. She said, I had heard from my baby. You found my baby? Yeah. He's here. He's okay. I said, you want to talk to him? She said, I want to talk to my baby. Gave her the phone. Said, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can I come home? Can I come home? She said, absolutely, you can come home. We all are prodigals to some degree, are we not? Who has not told her child you can't come home? We made the arrangements. She made the arrangements. We were able to get him where he could get home. Folks, I'm telling you, whether you're sitting up under a bridge or sitting under the church, don't let the failures of yesterday handcuff you and hold you hostage from being the best Christian that you can be. Can I say something to you? If you don't remember one thing I say going out of here, remember this statement. Yesterday ended last night. Amen. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? You can turn around. If you don't like what you see, you don't like what you feel, and you don't like what you've experienced, just turn around and quit looking at it. Quit thinking about it. And start pressing to the things that you know you can do. You can work on yourself. And little by little, as you begin to change on the inside, God does a fresh work inside of you. And I would say this again. If you're genuinely spending time with God, if you're genuinely getting before the Lord, I'm not saying about right prayers. You're just saying, God, do something in me. Don't you think God is going to do something in you? It's that desire of wanting God to do something in you. What are you going to do with that's in your hand? I pray every morning. I got all these little visuals that I pray with. I got a flashlights, and I say, Lord, I'll be light into the world. And sometimes I'm like, Lord, I, everywhere I walk, the light's at. Sometimes I have to project. And I got, I got a rock. I said, God, I'm going to be rock for somebody today. I mean, I do crazy stuff. If you get to know me, you'll say, this guy's crazy. And I uh, have two rocks, and they have love stamped on one and live. And every day I put, some days I just put them in my pocket, and I take them out with me to ministry. I said, God, I will live to love, and I love to live. Because if I live, I know someone else is going to live. Because I'm going to take that which has been given to me, and I'm going to help other people to come to know Jesus Christ. What are you going to do this morning? What are you going to do with that your one human experience? You say, man, I'm young. i got a lot of time. You don't know that. 
You don't know anything. You could have your last breath today. Don't let the failures of yesterday, the divorce, the business failures, the betrayal, whatever it is, you've not gone too far for the grace of God. Can I say that again? You have not gone too far for the grace of God to work in your life. Folks, I'm telling you, we can do this. I, listen, I love reading about those in the Bible that have gone before us, but I'm telling you, that was not my generation. This is our time. What are they going to say about us? What is our family going to say about us? What is our friends going to say about us? Just keep showing up. And in doing so, Jesus went throughout the villages and the cities and the synagogue, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. People need what you've got. People need it. You say, I don't have nothing to give, man. I'm hurting myself. Okay? Welcome to everybody's world. We're just not going to address it. Everybody, my neighbors, they ask me all the time, how you doing? I said, man, today's a great day. They said, Joe, you never have a bad day? I said, I don't acknowledge bad days. I choose to own the day. The, day, the things of the day are not going to own me. That's my attitude. I had the attitude, if I show up, somebody's going to come to know Jesus. Somebody's going to say, you know what? Thank you for showing up. And I, I probably heard that a dozen times this week. Thank you. Thank you. I love sometimes I just, these, some of these folks won't let me pray with them. And I say, matter of fact, this happened this week too. I told this in the first service. And uh, they say, I say, can I pray with you about something? They say, oh, no, we're good. We prayed this morning. I said, man, I'm having a hard time. Would you pray for me? The guy said, you're having a bad day. I said, man, would you? Yeah. And man, you've seen these guys get around me and start praying over me. I'm creating the atmosphere. I'm creating something that they can be part of, that the Holy Spirit can move in that moment. They say, and they said, well, oh, then when I got when they got done, I said, but they said, we're going to keep praying for you. Now, what was your name again? I said, Joe, said, yeah, we're going to keep praying for you. See, I want that. I want to infuse them with, you know what? Your prayers are as godly as anybody's. Just because you're here doesn't make you any less of a person. I want to challenge you this morning as we make our departure. I want you to examine your own heart. If you just take a moment to close your eyes, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And this is between you and the Lord. Maybe you've spun out, and you know you're not quite where you need to be. You know there's something in your heart that you're like, God, I need to give this to you. Maybe some unforgiveness. Maybe it's your attitude toward a person. I don't know what it is. But you feel like it's keeping you from progressing. You're not the person you know you could be because you won't resolve this. Will you take 15 seconds to say, God, I give this to you. This will no longer haunt me in my alone time. Yeah, I said some bad things. But God, I make peace with you and I make peace with that person in the spirit realm. Secondly, 
You know someone needs to know Jesus Christ. You know someone's fell away from faith. You know someone is going through a hard time. Can you get that person in your mind right now and say, God, I'm going to make that phone call. I'm not talking about asking them to come to know Jesus or pushing them in a corner and say, what do you need? How can I help you? What can I do? You have somebody you know like that? Be determined to make a difference. Be determined to love people unconditionally. Be determined, very intentional, about reflecting Christ in everything.